the mistletoe voice of your local announcer, Tom Fitzmorris. And it's time now to take a bite out of the food show. Two hours of nothing but conversation on eating, drinking, and general gustatory topics, all of them unique to our station, which for more than 30 years now uh, proves every day that New Orleans is America's best eating city. Thanks for joining us here at 105.3 FM HD2. I hope you got an HD radio for Christmas. You know, I should have pushed that idea. You know, I just thought of it just now. But I should have pushed that idea like crazy. But uh, then again, there are probably people who you want to give a gift to, but you haven't gotten it yet. I mean, it's only one day since since, uh, Christmas. That was just yesterday. So how about that? Go to your uh, nearest uh, big box store and ask them for HD radios. They have them. I don't know how much they cost, but they're not really expensive. And if you find one that's really expensive, probably don't get that. Get, get another one and ask the, ask the clerk what he knows about it, too. That'll help. Why do I want you to have this? Because I want you to have uh, the richness of life fully expressed to you. And if you're listening to this program at all, uh, you would get a huge benefit out of uh, being uh, able to tune in the HD radio. Uh, this is all over the place, all over the country. It's the new technology. It's, it's digital technology. And it, it puts our signals all over the place, just about everywhere except on an old-style AM radio where you will not find us, I don't think ever. I don't think we ever pa- uh, uh, wind up over there, although... We certainly uh, were on that for a long time. That'd be a good way to celebrate Boxing Day, I think. A Boxing Day, yeah. There's another way, you know. Maybe get a box, have a HD radio put in it. Uh, You know, uh, Boxing Day, I've always known that. That's the day after the holidays. Correct. Uh, But I've never been quite sure, although the guy on CBS... uh, You know, I had a dream the other night, by the way, as to what uh, CBS stands for. And I don't even have to give you a hint on that. Actually, we love uh, uh, we love CBS, so uh, that would only be a joke, not anything serious. Well, I but, can tell you exactly what Boxing Day is. Yeah, well, that's what I'd love to know. Uh, why do they call it Boxing Day? I mean, well, do they get out there and put on the on the gloves and start punching each other? Or? It has nothing to do with the sweet science. Well, uh, I, any... I'm surely uh, I, I, I'm sure not one who would ever. You know, get involved with that. You're not box. too pugilistic, are you? No, no. I mean, just okay. let's look at me. You know. I'm okay. There. Well, I understand that. Well, it has nothing to do with that. It has Good. nothing to do with, with, uh, with any any kind of self protection whatsoever. Yeah. But it it is celebrated in uh, England, in Wales, yeah, in Ireland, mm-hmm. and uh, in our neighbors to the north, Canada. Yeah, I've always heard that it is pretty widespread among particularly the, uh, the English. Uh, colonies, former colonies, but we're one of those, so why don't we have it? Well, I don't know why. I, don't I really either. don't know why. I think we yeah. should we should have it in droves here because what Boxing Day was is when the employers uh, of the poor minions mm-hmm. would uh, put together a box of leftovers from uh, their Christmas celebration and present them to their employees, to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the bones and... Uh, that's in all the, the scraps for the employees to enjoy on the day after Christmas. That's mm. what Boxing Day is. Traditionally, these days, it is the day that um, the employees receive their Christmas bonuses in those countries. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's what that is. You know, I, uh, I, 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 rem- I remember hearing that, and at the time there was a guy who was running the radio station I was on, which was not this one back then. This was way, way a long time ago at the beginning of my career. And this guy is one of the uh, general managers that uh, sometimes in radio, I mean, it's who knows what, what, what causes it. Uh, the, you'll have a guy who's there for, for a short period of time and then moves on. I, I guess, the, you know, that's pretty common. It's like uh, people in sports, too. I mean, a lot, a lot of, so I'm not, it's not a put-down that I mean by this at all. But this guy uh, was actually a pretty sharp guy. And I went in just joking, and I said, so today's Boxing Day, so where's my, uh, where's my, uh, my box? Or where's my, uh, my uh, uh, a Christmas bonus? And he looked at me, and he said, you're already making more than me. <laughs> and that was that. <laughs> That's amazing. But, uh, you know, not only is it Boxing Day, but it's National Winers Day. That's winers? Winers like, with an H, uh, you yeah. know? Why don't yeah. I have a, a really good car instead of the one I've got? That's right. It's National why, Thank You Note Day. Why do I always get these little sparks of electricity when I move my chair over on that thing that you put on the on top of the, on top of the uh, carpet between the chair? You know, you know what I mean? It's because and, you're blessed. That's is that why. it? That's it. Yeah. Oh. See, all those sparks are blessings. You know, uh, that's what that is. Well, Next. maybe I don't want to. I don't want to have that. Okay. I'm. I, and, uh, today's my day. You say? Today Winer's is your day. day. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Today is also National Thank You Note Day. Yeah. Makes sense there. And I've national- got a. I've got a great joke on that, but we can't tell it on okay. the radio. Okay. Well, <laughs> then maybe we can celebrate <laughs> National Candy Cane Day. National Candy Cane. You know, we actually used to have a guy who would come in here every year and explain that to us. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, well, we no. needed. We needed to, to hear that every year. I take it. Yeah. Every year. Yeah. Um, Oh, his name, he was a good friend of mine, and I can't remember Mr. his name. Mr. Kane? Huh? Who? No, no, no. Uh, it'll, it'll come to me in a minute. He was an expert on New Orleans history. Oh, okay. Yeah, and and he, he could, uh, he told a million stories. I mean, just he, and he knew how many had researched them. Uh, anyway, uh, he would come on and he would explain that the it's not really a cane, even though it is shaped like a cane. He said it's really a J for Jesus. That's what. Uh, that's that's one story. And then uh, he pointed out that uh, going down the candy part of it, white background, red up front, but you had two heavinesses, or that's not the right word for that. Uh, anyway, oh, you'd have a, a bold stripe, and then you would have these very thin stripes right next to them. And he said, if you count the number of of the small ones, you'll see that there's three of them. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you know, and he could just go on uh, like this about candy canes for, you know, a couple of hours. Okay. <laughs> he was a great chef on, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, a great guest to have on the radio because he never ran out of stuff to tell. And <laughs> and you, you didn't even have to have a question to ask him. You would just start the show up and you'd give him a cue and he would start and then you would hold him up and he would stop and then he'd come back again. He, he was amazing. Buddy Stahl, that was his name. That's it just who it came. was, yes. Uh-huh. Buddy Stahl. Uh, what a guy. He was he was funny. He was really interesting. He passed away, I, I want to say, in 2006. He, he was on the same retreat as me for a long time. Yep. I, I tell you what, uh, I was reading your newsletter. 
today. Uh-oh. I was and, reading your newsletter. And you've, uh, you've awakened from it? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I did. And this came up. <clears throat> Down in Broad and St. Bernard. Woo! <laughs> yeah, I ran into him at, at a party at uh, the Ka- uh, Kava restaurant, which is a very good restaurant on Harrison Avenue right off Canal Boulevard. And uh, uh, anyway, he, uh, uh, Al Scaramuza was there, and he had been on the show with me a couple of times. So when I walked up to him and introduced myself, he knew who I was. And then I just started singing his song, and he got right into it right behind me. And we did it twice. <laughs> that guy is possessed. I mean, he really, this is a man who is going to get his goals no matter what. Are you still there? Have I drawn you? I've left. Huh? What'd you say? I, I've left. You've left. Okay. But anyway, uh, he's, he's kicks. He, he turned 90 not long ago. So, uh, but a real character. And, uh, and uh, everything you see on television in those commercials of his, I don't, I don't know if they're doing him anymore. It's, he's got to be retired. Or who, who knows? Actually, a guy with that kind of energy, they never retire. What a guy. King of the midnight movie time. He certainly was, yeah. He had, knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and uh, he sold that crawfish, boy. He claims to have made crawfish uh, a popular in New Orleans, which might seem to be a big claim. But, in fact, he's on to something because until... In the late 1960s, you didn't see crawfish in very many restaurants except for the specialists in boiled seafood. Then you would, but not in most restaurants. And uh, then it just all of a sudden blew up, and he was accredited for doing that, sort of. So anyway, why were we talking about him? Because we were just meandering around going in no particular Because it was in your newsletter. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, I mean, there he was. It was uh, over there at Casa, uh, Kafa. I'm sorry, I always get this wrong. And uh, they are. It's the it's the word in Spanish for basically sparkling wine, Cava. I don't know why they call it that, but Cava, C-A-V-A. It's a sparkling wine made in Spain, and they're very good, and they are very inexpensive. In fact, at our wedding reception, my wife and I, we had many cases of this stuff just because it was too cheap to say no to. But it was good and still is good. Cava. C-A-V-A. 2606368 is our telephone number. Uh, this is the first day we've been on the air in the last four days. We, uh, they gave us, uh, well, um, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And then for some reason, what it was, I think there was football going on or something. And it bumped us on uh, Thursday and Friday. But here we are back again, and if I, if I seem like I've lost my licks, it's because, you know, you take a little time off, and the next thing you know, you don't know what you're doing anymore. That's why you don't see me uh, taking too many days off. 2606368. I would like to ask you, uh, how uh, and how did you eat over the weekend? And I'm addressing this to everybody who's listening. Uh, what you cooked at home, and if you went to a restaurant... I would really, really appreciate it if you would call me and tell me where you went and how it was. Now, I'm not looking for, you know, this is no, uh, nothing like a, 
a, a scandal that I'm going after or anything like that. I mean, uh, there are going to be some restaurants that goofed up a little bit. Probably on Christmas Eve, uh, there are so many people dining out. There are a lot of employees, really good long-term employees, who say, I don't want to work on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. And the and managers can't exactly say, you're fired because he needs the guy so much. And uh, it's a lot of restaurants now, one of, the re- one of the ways that they get people to work in their restaurants, the restaurateurs, uh, that you know the, that they're looking for, uh, that they make that as a promise. You won't have to to uh, work on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or some other holiday, maybe their birthday or something like that. And uh, a lot of people come to the restaurant business if they can get that, and will not hire on if they didn't. So uh, I'll bet you there was not the best service in the world. But you you know you go into that understanding that that's the situation. You don't go in a hurry. You don't want everything to be exactly perfect the way it usually is. Uh, you just have to go with the flow on that. The same is true, especially on uh, New Year's Eve, although there is one difference, and that is in, at New Year, on New Year's Eve, uh, not only do they have big deal special menus and, uh, you know, with live music in a lot of restaurants and all, all, kinds, of, all kinds of things, what you will find is that the price will be higher than that restaurant usually is and that you will uh, expect an, an elongated schedule of the food coming out. It's going to take a little longer than usual. But uh, this is one of those things like going to a party. You know, you're not in a hurry to get through the party, to say hello to everybody and then leave. Not, not most of the time anyway. It does come up. But uh, it's, you go to a – you book a reservation – uh, for a restaurant on Christmas on New Year's Eve, it is the busiest night of the year for restaurants. So they and they have to make do with, in some cases, at least part of their second uh, second shift. It's uh, not all the time, and I'm not accusing any specific restaurants of that. But you know, it's just one of those things you have to expect. It's something that the the employees like a lot. Anyway. Like uh, for example, there there was one restaurateur <clears throat> who has decided that he is going to take really good care of his people, and he is closed on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day every year that I can remember. It's all a Dickie Brennan's restaurants. Uh, he doesn't open on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Commanders at one time did not, so it's nothing new. It's the Food Show. This is Tom Fitzmorris. Here we are back again after a three-day break in the action, or in the inaction, I guess. We'd love to hear from you about what you cooked at home on Christmas Day. Day you had to go somewhere or, or eat some kind of way. A lot of people seem to be surprised. They get to Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, and they discover that the, the places that they wanted to go to are not open. The same thing happens. You go to the supermarket at 5 in the afternoon, hoping to get some more buttermilk for that dish that you're preparing, Find out the store has been closed for five hours already. So, you know, it's one of those times, but you you have to go with it. There's no way around it, that's for certain. So what did you do? Uh, I, I Mine falls into two categories. One of them is that I, I went to a party uh, at the, on last Saturday, and it was uh, hosted by... Uh, 
by uh, an old friend of mine. Actually, he's not that old. He's kind of, uh, it's kind of young, maybe more than a little bit young. Uh, his, uh, his name is uh, Dan. Lack, uh, wait, I, I'm, what, what I'm hustling for is that I'm, uh, I always have to work on saying his name right. Lalchuk is L-A-L-C-H-U-K. He is the second uh, uh, tenor. I'm sorry, he's not the tenor. He is the uh, second in command of the cello for the Louisiana uh, uh, Performing Orchestra. No, the Louisiana Philharmonic Orchestra. And a first-class uh, musician and a, a really sophisticated guy and very much a gourmet. And uh, he has sat in for us on the show a couple of times, and he's one of the best guest hosts that we have. So I always like hearing from him. Anyway, he, he had a party, had some other musicians over and a bunch of miscellaneous people, too. It was really a great party. But uh, one of the things that he did that surprised me is that he made not one but two batches of shrimp remoulade. And uh, he told me that the recipe that he used was the one out of my cookbook. Tom, uh, Tom Fitzmaurice's New Orleans Food is the name of the book. Uh, and... Uh, Indeed, uh, you know, that wasn't an original with me particularly. The red version, there are two kinds of remoulade sauce, basically. You have a red one and you have a white one. The red one is the old style. And the place you see it most often is in the uh, old-time Grand Dame restaurants like Galatoire's, Commander's Palace, Arno's, Let's see, who else? Uh, Arno's for sure, they're kind of famous for it. And Galatoire's also, and come to think of it, Antoine's, and uh, Two Jags, and all of those. And, and what you have there is a sauce that is made with uh, tomatoes of one kind or another. They're either fresh tomatoes that have been smashed up, or you buy it in a can, or you can, what I usually do is uh, using this product called uh, uh, tomato. Wait a minute. Uh, there's a there's a word for this that I'm leaving out. Uh, that uh, it's uh, it'll come to me come to me in a second. It sounds like a whole lot more than it actually is. But then I, I discovered while I was shopping around that uh, uh, the uh, other half of the Empastado family of, of restaurants. Uh, you you may remember. Uh, it was uh, this was run by this uh, Joe Empastado's brother. Uh, and he uh, had a place, and still does have a place, in uh, on the North Shore, uh, in Lacombe. And this guy really makes the great food. It's it's just incredible how how terrific his food is. But he also puts together a lot of his own products, and that you can buy this in the supermarket. And the one that I'd never seen before was. Uh, this combination that was he he said it it's more like a uh, an uh, a cocktail like you, you've had a shrimp cocktail before it's got a red sauce based in it he said it's kind of like that uh, and indeed it was and it wasn't as sweet as ketchup would be ketchup is a usable thing for making remoulade sauce but I think it's too sweet this is the problem with it. So anyway, I got some of that, and uh, I used that. And the other ingredients, uh, Creole mustard is essential. 
uh, lemon juice, a little bit of Worcestershire sauce, a little bit of garlic. Uh, you, you could even leave out the garlic, but you just don't use a whole, whole lot of it. And let's see, what else is in there? And, of course, you have shrimp. You boil the shrimp by themselves, this without the sauce or anything. And uh, you kind of over uh, undercook it a little bit. I say that because most people cook shrimp way too long, and, and it's too ripe. doesn't come through. To avoid that, I say, you know, take it easy. And, uh, and then you let it cool, and then you get the sauce, which is just a mixture of those ingredients that I mentioned. And you let the, the shrimp marinate in the sauce for at least, if you, can, if you got an hour, that would be great. If you could do it overnight, that'd be even better. Oh, there's also a lot of olive oil in this. So what you, what you do is you just combine all of this, and then you put it on a plate. And when I got to this party that Dan uh, Lelchek uh, had put together, he uh, had everybody walking around saying that this is really fabulous. And I, I was one of them, and I didn't make the, the connection that this was actually my recipe. So <laughs> it was funny. But it was, it was a great dish, and I wound up making some of my own for a, a party that I go to every year. It's my, my wife's family. They have a lot of little kids, and it's really a lot of fun to go to. But the uh, same sister of hers does it every year. And we always bring a lot of food. We brought one of those uh, root beer glazed hams that I tell you about all the time. And then the shrimp remoulade, which everybody was telling me they just loved it. Now, this is the red version of remoulade sauce. There's another one that is a white version. They don't have a lot in common. Uh, the main thing is both of them use a pretty good bit of Creole mustard. Creole mustard is a major and, and absolutely essential recipe in making a remoulade sauce. Also in it, you have mayonnaise, you have chopped green onions, you have maybe some parsley. We're almost done. Lemon juice. And what else is in there? Maybe a little bit of horseradish, but certainly not a lot of it. And you put this together and you put it on the, on the, uh, the shrimp or whatever it is you're using this for. And it comes out good. And it is the most popular of, of all of the remoulades is to do it that way. In, in fact, most restaurants you go to now, uh, all the major players, uh, uh, except the ones that have been around for 100 years or so, uh, all the major players are using this white remoulade sauce, which in my opinion is nowhere near as good as the red version. And last night we had all these people coming over to my wife's sister's house, and I kept uh, telling them, you know, uh, I know it looks funny on the plate there, this, this reddish sauce that sometimes the olive oil comes out uh, from the mixture and pools up a little bit. But everybody who tasted it loved it. And this is easy to understand because it's just a great recipe. Mostly I got it from uh, the old Mailey's restaurant. Mr. Mailey uh, showed me how to do it. And I'll never forget that because he measured everything by a, kind of like a mental uh, a calculation involving the uh, salt and pepper shakers he had on his table. He would say, okay, you know, like I'd say uh, shrimp uh, remoulade, you ought to use uh, Creole mustard, uh, like two of these little canisters. <laughs> That's a strange thing to measure with. But anyway, 
it comes out really good, and uh, and I haven't made it in a long time, so it was nice to return to that recipe, and to know that it is as good as as I've always said. Of course, since I made it, I can make it however I want to. This is the great thing about learning how to cook: is that you, instead of relying on somebody else who may even be a really great chef but might not cook to your style of cooking, if you're a cook, if you know how to cook things. You can do it your way exactly. That's wonderful. It is? You think so? I do. Uh, and, but you, you know, wish I, was, I would shut up to take a break. Well, no, no, <laughs> no, not at all. I was, I was thinking this weekend, which is, of course, dangerous. Yeah. And, thinking, uh, you mean? Yeah, thinking. Oh, Over I know the holidays what you mean. Here, yeah. uh, you know, there are, we, we talk about great food here on this show. We sure we do. We do. And I was thinking, now, wait a minute. There are an awful lot of bad cooks out there. They sure are. And we should have something for them. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, I can't wait. Let's hear it. I was thinking of edible dishes. So if you... Like as in barely edible? No, no, no. No? No, 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 no. no. Dishes that you can eat. Dishes that you can consume. Oh, yeah, the actual dish itself? Yes. So Uh, if the food is bad on the dish, you know that the dish is going to be delicious. (laughs) You know? So you would have a a bowl for Uh bad soup. Yeah. You would have a small plate for bad salad. You would have a large plate for... Uh, bad steak? Bad, bad entrees, okay. Uh-huh. And you have one more plate, which is sweet for bad yeah, desserts. Dessert. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have a series of these delicious plates that you could put under bad food so that you could, you know, you, you could at least save something. Yeah. Uh, would, I wonder if the, the uh, restaurant would pay for that. I don't care. Yeah, okay. Wait a minute, it's, a, but, you know, it's an ed- interesting idea. Edible dishes. It's edible ed- dishes, edible yeah. Edible dishes. There yeah, go. everybody would be confused by what you really mean by that, and that way, by that time, by the time they figure it out, you know, they've al- you've already gotten their money and goodbye. Well, no. I mean, no? you know, the delicious, the, the most delicious part of the meal are the dishes themselves. The dishes themselves. Well, there, there are some cuisines that kind of work that way. Ethiopian cuisine is sort of that way. There are no plates anywhere around there. Everything is eaten with the fingers, usually uh, put on top of this uh, unusual bread that you either like or like or you hate the first time you taste it. Well, you know, when I was very, very young, that's the you way know? I ate all the time. Just the, you know, ate the... Just to put the hand the, in there and uh-huh. grab the spaghetti and, you know... Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. That's a, there are a lot of grown-up people who still eat that way. And uh, I have no explanation for that. But then again... There are so many other things to talk about. It's great to be back. I love doing this, and it's great hearing from you. Uh, I would be particularly in your debt if if you went out to eat in a restaurant on either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Would you call me and tell me how it went? You don't have to give me a long uh, deal about it. Just a few words would be fine, unless you want to say a lot about it. And uh, the reason I ask for this is that uh, the, the research on that kind of information is very difficult. Basically, to do it the way that I do it, uh, we, you, you've got to have um, a way of trying out the food in the restaurant, doing all the things I usually do, which is like make, make a reservation, order things that the average person would order off the menu, pay for the dinner. You know, a, a lot of people think I get free food. I don't. And... Uh, just to, what I'm always looking to do is to be as much like a regular customer as I can possibly be. But 
even if I did that for every holiday, the best I could ever do is to do one a, a year, which is not enough to build up a lot of information. However, if everybody who listened to our program and who goes out to eat in a restaurant on uh, either one of those holidays or any of the other holidays for that matter, if you would call me up and tell me how it went, wherever it was that you uh, went to, uh, I would really appreciate it. If you'd rather do it without mentioning the name of the place, go ahead. Just tell me off the air, and then I'll file it in the back of my brain, which is not a very secure place to store anything, but uh, at least we'll know. And uh, I'd really appreciate that because, uh, again, I tell you, there's, there's just no other way of doing this other than to ask for other people's uh, help because I can only eat out at one um, Christmas menu a year. That's all I can get. Besides which, oh, I'm not going to talk about that. 2606368 is our telephone number. We, we'd love to hear from you. You know what it's time for? It is time, if, and I can't believe I lost my bookmark here. And I'll, oh, no, no, I, I've got it. It's time for our cocktail of the day. The Mr. Boston Official Bartender's Guide is the source of the info. This is that red book that you see behind the counter in most places that do interesting cocktails, but maybe the, the, the people who work there, are, maybe they have, they're overworked, or maybe they keep their cocktails to, you know, kind of classics. This is a book that has something like 15, yeah, 1,500 recipes on it, so a lot to choose from. I opened up the book today, and I, I came to two—actually, let's make it three uh, dishes that struck me as interesting. Um, let's see. Which, I, I'm going to start with the Purple Passion. How's that sound to you, Doug? Purple Passion. This is a cocktail— uh, here's how you make it. One and a half ounces of vodka, which is a shot, standard shot of vodka. Uh, three ounces of grapefruit juice. Three ounces of grape juice. Hmm. Sugar doesn't tell you how much. You chill all of this stuff. You stir it up. You add the sugar as needed. And, oh, so that's, that's what you do. And you serve it in Collins glasses. Collins glasses are those really tall glasses that are only about maybe two inches across, if that much. Uh, now, there's, an op uh, there's a different version of this. It says here, purple passion tea. Uh, here you only have one quarter of an ounce of vodka, which is not much. A quarter of an, uh, of an ounce. Oh, wait until you hear this. Uh, One-fourth of an ounce, an, ounce, an, uh, an ounce of rum. A quarter of an ounce of gin. <laughs> A quarter of an, a, a half an inch, oh, we, we've gotten off the, a half an inch of black raspberry liqueur. Hmm. wonder where you would buy that. That might be a little tough. Then you also have two ounces of superfine sugar or simple syrup. These are things used behind a bar mostly. You know, normal people don't do it too often. Two ounces of lemon juice, three ounces of lemon lime, so, lime soda. That would be seven up. You pour everything into an ice-filled highball glass, and, the, you, and you just stir it up. And you garnish with twists of lemon peels, and that's the whole program. They also have another one called the Purple Ruby. So we've had Purple Passion, Purple Passion Tea. Where'd the tea come from? I don't see any tea in here. Why do they call it that? Anyway, Purple Ruby, 
ounce, uh, 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 one and a half ounces of vodka, one and a half ounces of pomegranate juice, half an ounce of grapefruit juice, one fourth of a, a glass of uh, one fourth of an ounce rather of uh, lime juice, one fourth of an ounce of honey syrup. Hmm. Uh, shake with the rice, with the ice rather. And strain all of this into a chilled cocktail glass. Garnish it with uh, grapefruit twist, and there you are. Uh, anyway, so we have purple passion, purple passion tea. I don't know. Purple ruby. Hmm. Okay, but it all came from the Mr. Boston Official Bartender's Guide, which is a pretty reliable source of this kind of stuff. But then again, there are 1,500 different cocktails in here, so... Let's see. Who's joining us over here on the blue phone? It's Sydney. Sydney, welcome. Hello, Tom. Merry, huh. Merry after Christmas. Yeah. Happy New Year. Any of those. Yeah, it's the, it's the uh, first day of Christmas today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we went Christmas Eve to Maple Street. Yeah, how'd and, that go? Well, I had called Jamil at around 11 and told yeah. him to save me an Usabuka. Uh-huh. I knew he was making it, and he did save it, and, oh, my God, it was good. They're we kind of famous for that. That's uh, that's really popular over there. Asobuco. He, he used to do it with lamb shanks. Yeah, well, that'll work. You can, do it with, uh, you can do it with pork. You can do it with beef. You can do it with veal is the classic. But uh, you could do it with a, a variety of other things. Yeah, he did it. Uh, he did it for, for Christmas Eve, but he has done it with lamb, and yeah. I have had it there, and it was very good with lamb. Yeah, that's a, that's really a classic. Yeah, good but stuff. Food was delicious. Service was great. I mean, we had to wait a little while. We had a seven thirty. Um, probably got in about eight to be seated, but, I mean, I knew that was going to happen. That's no big deal. Well, you know, uh, it had to happen sooner or later because the restaurant has become identified with one that's open all the time, uh, and they they pretty much are. But when you're talking about Christmas Eve, you're talking about a tough, tough uh, night to go out to eat unless you really make your plans ahead of time. Well, but. I did, and uh, I'm glad we went there. I mean, it was yeah. I go there for lunch all the time. But, yeah, that's pretty reliable. Um, yeah, yeah, good food. Yeah, yeah good I food. think so. And, and great I remember per- Jamil and TJ, when they came in, uh, they they went to work for, for uh, Andrea. Andrea, and yeah. He was the, yeah, his brother was the maitre d'. He was a cook. Then he went to Vincent's and became the head chef over there and then opened up Maple Street. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, they used to have a restaurant out at uh, West End, but uh, that didn't work out uh, for one re- one reason or another. It's a nice looking place. He, though. Yeah, but well, TJ had one where the Red Baron used to be on Oakland, Petra. Yeah, now he's yeah. got Petra in uh, in Laplace. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's I hear a pretty busy place too. I haven't been there haven't in been. ages, but. Uh, it's the old steakhouse that used to be there. I forgot the name. Uh, Bull's Corner. The Bull's Corner, yeah. They used to be out at West End, too. What a weird coincidence. And they had one at uh, on Homa, by the hospital. Imagine that. You're right. Yep. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad you had a good meal there. They, uh, I find them very reliable, and their pricing is, is really hard to beat. So, uh, Man, I had six people plus a, a, a two-year-old, and with the tip... 
the bill was like three sixty five. I mean, yeah. you can't. You feel like you've stolen any... it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, well, All thanks right. for sharing that with us. I really appreciate the call because uh, that's not only a restaurant I'm interested in for the obvious reasons, but uh, they have been a sponsor over here for a long time, and I want to make sure that I'm telling you the truth, although I do get there, you know, four or five times a year, I guess, just to make sure. But they, they are pretty yeah. reliable. All right, well, you have thank a you. good evening. Yeah, thank and, you. Uh, all right, thanks a lot. See ya. Bye. Our telephone number is 1504, if you're dialing, dialing from someplace out there, 504 260 6368-260-6368. And if you call right now, you'll get right in. And I'm m- most assiduously on the lookout for any reports you may have about a place that was open on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day and how it went and where was this anyway and were the prices okay? Because sometimes restaurants jack the prices up on holidays. And uh, I'd really, really appreciate a call about that because, uh, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, it is almost impossible to generate information about such things without actually going there. And who's going to eat more than one big dinner in a day? So I guess there are some guys that do it, but uh, I'm not one of them. It's the Food Show, 260-6368. Call right now. You'll get right in. Uh, In the... um, Newsletter, I, you know, I hope I get this done, but we're really coming close on the wire this year. This has been a Christmas that has been so busy. Uh, it's it, my head, my brain is dizzy with it. Uh, but I was going to do a, a list of of good restaurants. Maybe I'll do a top twelve. I can I can whip that together in a in a day. Uh, twelve best, dozen best. Uh, restaurants to go to on Christmas, uh, or we're done with Christmas for this year. Uh, New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve is a big, big deal. It is very difficult to get restaurants in the most popular places. and uh, But there are tricks, and there are things you can do. The, the most effective one is to uh, pick out a really, really uh, expansive, um, po- very popular restaurant and call them and ask them if they have any cancellations from their reservations because they often do, and uh, it, you'll get uh, the you know something better than if you were to go on uh, online or something. Not I've never actually tested that, but I've heard that to be true. And uh, you uh, you can uh, get reservations a number of ways, but I think the, the calling a restaurant court uh, you know. Uh, just right on the nose there and telling him, listen, do you have any cancellations? That'll get you in sometimes. Not always, though. If you went out on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, would you mind calling us and telling us where it was you went? And uh, we'd really appreciate it. And if you ate at home, what did you cook? Over at our house, we had a lot of stuff. We had the usual, always, it seems like no matter what the celebration is or what the family is, there's always the macaroni and cheese isn't there. Macaroni and cheese, a, uh, a dish designed for children, although a lot of uh, grown-up people uh, are really into it. I know that just about everybody in my wife's family is nuts about it. But then again, it's also true of people in my family, too, and it may well be true that everybody in the entire world likes macaroni and cheese of one kind or another. How do you like yours? 
Uh, here's how I like mine. Mixture of olive oil and butter. Really good, powerful, uh, really top-class Parmesan cheese. Not the cheap stuff, not the stuff in the can. The kind that you have to grate yourself. That's going to give you the best taste. And the pasta, look it over, even while it's still solid, uh, dry pasta. And you're looking for pasta that is very thin. The th- not from side to side and front to back, certainly not. But the thickness of the pasta itself. And the thinner it is, the better it will taste. The taste of the pasta doesn't vary a whole lot. It's the other things that are served with it, the sauce and the mushrooms or whatever you're putting in there. If the pasta is very, very thin, you're going to get this tremendous flavor uh, flavor uh, topic. That's not the word I was looking for. It's a flavor um, burst. Okay, we'll take burst. That's not it either. The the the. Uh, Warren LaRuth gave me a name for this, and it's uh, it's stuck with me. Uh, uh, well, anyway, you get more flavor uh, that way. So if you're going to do macaroni and cheese, get that very, very thin pasta. It can be the, the tubular pasta. It could be like a fettuccine. That's actually my favorite. We, we talk about food here, and we will look forward to doing it with you when we get back from the news from CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.